Welcome to the movie musical marathon. Sorry, I think it's the musical movie marathon. I did decide... I, there was a good reason why it's that way around, I think. It's because we're not talking about movie musicals. We're talking about movies that are musical. That's That was our distinction. Because movie musical was a little too restrictive, uh, I think, because we wanted to include movies that weren't necessarily musicals in the common eye. Anyway, that's a massive tangent because tonight we're singing about the musical of all musicals, movie-wise, and that's Singing in the Rain, which has, after its release, been be- turned into a Broadway show, but originated as a film. And uh, there are lots of really interesting things about how this movie was developed. Not only was it massively influenced by many, many, many other movies before its time, and is massively influential or as just kind of like an archetype as the pinnacle of the movie musical especially the gene kelly musical heavily influenced by both the vaudeville era 42nd street style broadway style tap dancing sort of comic musical comedy and the dramatic very stylistic um pictures of rogers and hammerstein so I, I saw both of those influences in, in this, but it's, it's, a, it's an amazing piece of history and it's really entertaining and it's, it would almost certainly never be made today. And I want to discuss those things, but we'll see, first of all, what Andrew has to say. My name David and then this is Andrew. Hi, so this is Andrew's voice, so you know <laughs> that this is Andrew and not David. <laughs> Right. Well, one of the things I loved about Singing in the Rain uh, again tonight was it's actually a history movie. It's a documentary in itself because <laughs> of all the different... Um, it portrays a whole lot of different styles. The Ziegfeld Follies are in there. Oh, there's a vaudeville, uh, burlesque, uh, all sorts of bits and pieces are in there. Um, and fashion. Yes, fa- even fashion, yeah. It's because the, the movie made, this movie made in the 1940s is... The story is set in the 1920s. So they've got, you know, the different influences from the 1920s and they stay true to the 1920s fashions and things. So they've, they've got those elements in it and, uh, you know, they've been able to, to take us on a sort of a history lesson of what it was like in the mm. 20s or what, what mm. was happening there. So um, you can sort of imagine like a movie being made today set in the 1990s. Huh. And, and that's because that's, you know, 20 years on. And if it was, a, if we're taking the analogy further, then it would be a CGI movie about the development of CGI in the 90s. Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. So it's a movie about the art forms of the time Mm. as well as a movie about making movies. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) As well as um, an incredibly comic, lovely comic um, piece as well as a simple romance, a very, very simple romance. Yeah. <laughs> and, of course, you've got this lovely little conflict in there as well just to, mm. to, to sew it all together. Mm. It's good. What struck me about it, um, I just have to walk over to the date. Wizard of Oz 29, Guys and Dolls 38, and now Singing in the Rain 51. So we've seen a lot of influences on it, uh, but the interesting thing about it was, how it was that it was so simple. It was even more simple than Guys and Dolls. Yep. And the music was even less connected to it than <laughs> the music in Guys and Dolls. Well, There's not to put down Guys and Dolls or even not to put down Singing in the Rain either. It's a very particular style. And I think that's partly the influence of pop music 
in this movie, mm. Singing in the Rain, the song was around before this movie was mm. and influenced the movie and the story as told in the opening credits of mm. this movie. And what was peculiar was would, how would that happen today? And I think Mamma Mia is one of the, is one oh, of the yeah. answers yeah. to that. It's a fabulous musical, movie musical, but it's just a really simple and flat story. Mm. That works. That that, that's really great. Um, so Guys and Dolls had uh, quite a complicated and clever story. Mm. Well-developed characters, great development of the setting. Mm. And, and yeah, okay, the, the plot was simple, but most plots are. And, oh, no, actually, no, it did have twists and turns. Mm. This one is is more like a variety show mm. with a story. Yes, <laughs> yes. In the sense that... Um, you've got these set piece songs, which are great songs, Amazing. but really don't necessarily have a lot to do with the movie. A perfect example of that. Well, there's so many examples. Yeah. Um, right from the start, with "Fit as a Fiddle," yeah. but the best one for me is an example of this is uh, "Make Him Laugh." Wonderful piece, love it, but it really has not got much to do, <laughs> if anything, with the story. And so, okay, so so there are songs which do have a lot more to do with the story. But even Good Morning, to a certain extent, even Singing with the Rain. So it's more like a, um, a show that's got lots of wonderful singing and dancing and that we've sewn it together with some, <laughs> with some story. With some story, yeah. And I think uh, there's an interesting effect that it has. And it's like that they were coming up with uh, justifications for these songs. That's mm. how they got the story, yeah. which is, you know, understandable, right? Mm. And you've got to have each different type of song in it. What was interesting was there's no love song apart from the one in the movie that the characters in the movie are making. No, the famous love song is the one that Gene Kelly sings to Debbie Reynolds uh, on the soundstage. Oh. And he has he sets the scene. He's trying to tell her how he feels after meeting her once. <laughs> and uh, never mind that. Um, and he's and she's on the <coughs> she starts on the ladder, and he starts singing. And of course they do this beautiful dance number finish back on the ladder. That scene is just so popular. The last time I saw a reference to that was in a movie called The Intern of not that long ago in which they had it playing in the background on the, on the TV and mm. and it was and they sort of sort of referred to it. So yeah, it's it's still an iconic piece. Quite frankly, it's not that memorable <laughs> musically. True. Um but the scene is really important. Yeah. 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 That's fascinating. Um the way that the music is used, um, like I said, that it's like they're coming up with justifications for it. But if you were to f phrase it the other way, if you're going to start with a story and describe why the songs are there instead of starting with the songs and then mm. saying that's why the story's there. But other way around, you see that as soon as the characters reach a point, singing and dancing is like the climax or the culmination or the consummation of that feeling. Mm. Of uh, that they were having, so almost every song aligns with this. The song that doesn't and that jars the most with me is the song about fashion. You beautiful girl, yes. that one. <laughs> that was the. Uh, there was no reason for them to include that song in the show. All they had to do was show yeah. Debbie Reynolds on set yeah. and, of this film that they were filming. Mm. But they showed us the song from the film that they were filming. Yeah. <laughs> Wasn't even much dancing in it, no. and and this is this is a Gene Kelly movie. So let's be real; it's primarily a dance movie. It is. Uh, it is secondly, right. musical, and then some story. Yeah. Um, 
But in saying that, uh, and it was incredibly stylistic, and I loved that, and we mm. can get onto that if you want, but yeah. um, about the songs in the story, the songs were used as the culmination of the scene. Uh, there were very many songs which ended with a blackout and a change of scene. Mm. Make Him Laugh, yeah. uh, Singing in the Rain, like so many of them. Mm. If we're looking at the songs as being the vehicle for the dance, which was the main thing for the movie, then we're looking at reasons to have those songs and the best reason is that we're making a movie with songs in it. So yeah. <laughs> it works. I think it works. Dare I say, a movie that wasn't that long ago that was similar to this is Burlesque. Ah. The criticism of that movie was it's less of a movie with songs and more um, yeah. a string of of music videos with a story yes. <laughs> attached to it. Yes. So you, the same sort of could be said for this singing in the rain. However, the story works mm. and and it is a sweet and it is fun and mm. it's still a really good, feel-good music, mm. musical movie. And there's, there's, more, there's sometimes when I feel like it's just unbelievable and cartoonish, there, w- there was a serious long chunk of the movie where I was, you know, believing these guys. Mm. But the first couple of scenes, um, mm. Gene Kelly's acting off of the camera that he's, his character is in front of mm-hmm. was, you know, over the top for me. Mm. Even Debbie Reynolds to an extent, but mm. she was she, all fantastic actors. I, I like that. That relates kind of to the black and white movie mm-hmm. that they showed and one thing that movies without sound do is that it makes it less real makes it more like a mime like a puppet mm-hmm. show yep. and so in that way you're able to be a lot more over the top yeah. and still get the audience invested in the story yep. whereas if whereas the more real it gets the less invested the audience member is in overacting. Unless it's Jim Carrey. (laughs) That relates to a musical because a musical is similar to a black and white movie in that the sound is unreal. And so when you have overacting in a musical, it's easier to pass Mm. off Mm. than when you have the more realistic acting. In saying that, I think... Anything is improved by um, realistic acting. And Mm. even if it demands a massive performance, you just have to find the uh, justification for that massive expression. Mm. And maybe your character is just very expressive. As well as that, the situation around has got to rile them up enough to be as emotive as they as the performance style calls for. That doesn't have to be unrealistic. Mm. Um, yeah, that, that's my two cents about realism, unrealism, and cool. Cool. musicals. Yeah, um, and the other thing is that this m- movie doesn't pretend to be serious. Mm. It's it's quite open and honest about how. Well, at the start, it, it's a. A send up a takeoff of, mm. of Hollywood, mm. and here we are opening this movie in the Chinese theatre, and and it's it's obviously fake, you know, it's, it's deliberately yeah. over the top, yeah, um, <laughs> and and um, and the first couple of scenes are like that when uh, the two main characters meet, that is deliberately over the top, and then as the movie progresses and their relationship progresses, the acting or the style of acting mm. that the movie um, is 
putting across becomes less plastic and more uh, dramatic, more yeah. more realistic. Yeah. yeah, which is really cool. I agree. Yeah. So talk to me about the dancing style. Oh, I don't have much to say about. Oh, I mean, okay. I do. I am. You said dancer, it was really stylistic. It wasn't the dancing that was stylistic, it was the film. Oh, yes. yes, And that was just awesome because it was so obviously a post-Hitchcock movie. Okay. In that it utilised some incredible camera angles, lighting techniques and Mm -hmm. Mm colour. It was such... It felt to me like such a 1960s movie, right? Like bold, bold colours and bold camera angles and maybe it's those angles and those colours are so rarely used except in extreme situations like horror in uh, uh, today or, or the, the, the postmodern um, era of movies and stuff. But I, I really, I, didn't, I don't know if I liked it. The, the, just the Technicolor aspect mm-hmm. of it. Mm-hmm. What do you think about the style of the colours and mm-hmm. the film? Yeah, I, I think it, it worked as a gestalt. I think it worked... What's in, a gestalt? Well, everything ties in uh, to create this unified whole. Okay. So the lighting, the sound, the cosies, the music. That If anything didn't, it was probably the music, which wasn't very 1920s. But all those elements that you talked about, they work towards this idea of, you know, I talked about sort of it being the satire of the Hollywood era, if you like, and and the the silent movie era and these fabricated movie stars and so on. But while they started off like that, like a good comedy does with the extremes, they they quickly got into uh, into being a bit more serious. And and those techniques that you talked about went with them. I've seen other Gene Kelly movies mm. which are not like that. Oh, which are not so colourful? W- which are not so uh, stylized oh. like that. And, yeah, they're good. They're mm. good movies. But I like this one. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, because it's, sort of got, it's got that sort of honesty, as I said, about it. Mm. Mm. Honesty as in realist, quite true to the 1920s setting? It's true to itself. It's not embarrassed. It, it, it's Not embarrassed about the fact that it's a musical. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's poking fun at musicals. Um, but while I've said it's poking fun, it's also doing homage. Mm. It's also saying, hey, look, Ziegfeld Follies, hey, look, Vaudeville, mm. hey, look, the jazz singer. These, these were real things that took place. And while we're sort of, you know, throwing them together in our movie and, and sort of making fun of them, by even by doing that, we're acknowledging their importance yeah. in entertainment yeah. and in the development of movies. I feel like, after hearing that, that Gene Kelly was really influenced and really wanted to celebrate these aspects that he maybe grew up with or, or was really influenced by um, in, in this movie. He, he had a hand in directing it. He was, I think, a co-director of this yeah, movie. He, uh, the credits said that he co-directed the musical sequences. The dance numbers. Yeah. Them. The tap dancing. Yeah. Wicked. Yeah. Out of this world. Yeah. Just... As, you know, when you talked about beyond belief, you know, were they really doing that? Uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I think they were. Yeah. yeah, I don't know if the sound was really what they were making when they were dancing, but yeah, uh, in terms of, you know, the tapping being in time with what their feet were actually yeah. doing, it didn't matter though yeah. because you heard the rhythm and that was the, yeah. the point. But, yeah, some serious, serious tapping there. It was amazing. The scene um, I liked the best in terms of the tapping or the dancing was not not Good Morning, which was the big number with all three of them. It was actually If Moses Had Roses. Yeah. Um, because they are just so creative in the use mm. of furniture mm. and the way they're working together. The other clever one, of course, was 
uh, Fit as a Fiddle, yeah. um, which was de- deliberately. Those songs were really creative because they were duets mm. in terms of dance mm. um, and they were set in realistic places and had to do. Mm. Um, the big number, of course, from Singing in the Rain is Singing in the Rain and it works because both the song and the dance work well together. Mm. So that the song is famous for both. Yeah. For, for It's a fun song, a well-known song and the dance is now iconic. Yeah. That as soon as you get a street, rain, dark and a lamppost, you know that it's uh, a tribute to... You know, Gene Kelly's incredibly famous yeah. singing in the rain. Apparently there's a whole lot of backstories like it was really cold on the set and, and I think that did the takes a couple of times. And But his, his use of the umbrella was just great. Yeah. And the idea that, you know, love makes us sing and dance in the rain and make us look stupid, uh, you know, doesn't matter. So, mm. yeah, well, while the story may be an, an infatuation story rather than a love story, yeah. <laughs> that's okay. Yeah, and I think that that's telling. I think it, it's telling that the most memorable song is a song about love. Mm. And so it's fitting that musicals should be about love because love is the emotion which would cause us to sing or the mm. the circumstance which would create such songs within us. Mm. And, and so many songs uh, are related to love in every sphere of mm. life. In every sphere of music as well, a lot of there's a lot of uh, love songs. It's also telling for uh, the best or most memorable song in the movie, movie to be uh, incorporate both singing and dancing into its premise. Yeah, that the premise of the song is about singing, about dancing, and about love, mm. which it, which relates to the story and is related to the central conflict, mm-hmm. but not necessarily very directly. And that's a theme that very common. It's You don't normally see the climax of the conflict take place in song. You see the stuff around the conflict, the humans mm. and their feelings mm. about the conflict mm. in song, mm. but not necessarily the action of the conflict. Yeah. Which is which is interesting. That's uh, we'd have to understand conflict a bit more to understand yeah. why. We we see a little bit with Lena's scene with RJ's, where she manipulates him and, and brings out her contract and says, you know, you must do what I tell you, basically. Mm. Um, but that's not a musical number. No, no, <laughs> no, it's not. That's right. What we've got next is this idea of what if we could make it today? I talked about in the Guys and Dolls podcast about the fact that there was there's no musical comedies being made today. Yeah, that's No a shame. movie musical comedies. Uh, yeah, I think A Rock of Ages yep. was a movie musical comedy. Yep. Um, and that's the last one I know that mm-hmm. of that. I think in terms of trying to make Singing in the Rain or something similar to it today would be La La Land in the sense that La La Land is about people making movies mm. and it's about the ups and downs of that. It puts a modern spin on the resolution, on the development and the resolution mm. of of the people's careers. Mm-hmm. Obviously involves music and, and dance. Mm-hmm. I think La La Land is a valid interpretation of what Singing in the Rain could look like uh, today. Yeah. Absolutely. But it's not funny. Yeah, that's the big difference. And that's the one thing I haven't said about the dancing is that it's so 
cleverly done. You were mentioning about how he used the umbrella, he used the rain on the footpath, he used the lamppost, he used the curb, he used the drain pipe. He used, in a different scene, he he uses chairs, he uses violins, he uses tables. tables. Couches, all raincoats. Yes, <laughs> bar stools, bar mm. table, turning that into a, a ballet studio right. in tap shoes. Mm. There's so many just gags, you mm. know. As you think of yeah. Cosmo and all of his gags, and not only make him laugh, but also in um, yeah. Good Morning, yeah, um, dancing with the raincoats and things like that, mm. you know. And even within that song, Good Morning, it wasn't just a dance number in it. It wasn't only that, but it, it added different styles of dance and music mm. into one of those dance sequences. It yes, got it Spanish in a bit. It mm. got um, Hawaiian. Hawaiian. It got all sorts of different things. And so it was amazing to, to – it was really, really, really entertaining. Yes. Um, and that's what Gene Kelly is mm. great at. And I think that's part of what – enables him to be so out there with his visuals mm. is that he's just got this crazy brain, you know. And I don't know how much of that is, is you know, really from his collaborators or anything, but he's it really shines through. And that is what we don't have in modern musicals. We don't have gags. Mm. We don't have some of this wacky creativity, which we totally could because that's what musicals can give you license to do. Like you said in The Wizard of Oz, podcast was of Oz. Musicals give you the license to be fantastical and fantastic. Mm. And so comedy is part of the fantastical. But the other thing about that comedic comic fantasticalness, Mm -hmm. shall I save it until after your comment? No, okay. Okay. Uh, Was the songs in Singing in the Rain came out of these two best friends having fun. Yes. And so many of those those cool musical numbers, the ones that we remember, mm. are Cosmo and and um, Don, and then later on adding Kathy mm. into that um, mix. And those characters have fun, mm. and then they dance, yeah. expressing their fun. Yes, they do. And it's so cool. Time and time and again. Time and time and again. So that's, um, that's something that we could totally see in a comedy movie. Mm. In a slapstick comedy movie, we could totally have characters mm. just burst out. But the other thing is that I'm not sure if a modern comedy could do it without making fun of the fact that it's a musical. That's the only question. Yeah, well, here's a couple of possible musical movie comedies of not that long ago time. The first one I'm thinking of is School of Rock. Mm-hmm. I understand it's a comedy. Yeah, uh, yeah. 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 And it's musical. Yeah, it's not a musical. Okay. You haven't seen it. I haven't seen it. Right, it's 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 fine. It's 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 like it uses music the same way that the movie original movie of Sister Act uses music. That was my other one. It was going to be Sister Act and Sister right. Act Two. Right. I suppose a similar one, but not quite. Not doing what you're saying about not where the characters just sing and dance because of the exuberance of the moment of yeah. or of who they are and what they're doing, but the surprising success of those acapella movies. Oh, Pitch Perfect. Yeah. Pitch perfect. So you've got musical comedy. Well, you've got comedy, you've got music. The songs are important. It's about show business. Mm. So, yeah, I think movie musicals today can be made, but they're just different from what they used to be. Yeah. 
Yeah, I think what I'm thinking of is something like that comedy with Keanu Reeves. I haven't seen it, and I want to. It's called Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. Oh, okay. And it's... Is it musical? Uh, I think so, and that's yeah. the thing. But I'm not, I'm not quite sure. But they're, they're in a rock band, or, and they're really, really bad. Right. <laughs> and this time traveller comes to them from the future and says, you have to write the pop song that will save the world. You have to do it. You have to write the song that was... And I don't know why, but somehow they end up going back in time to all of these different places to learn history so that they can pass their grades, pass their history exam. Okay. So this time traveller, in order to prevent them from failing their history class so that they can go on to write the greatest song Mm -hmm. ever that saves the world... (laughs) <laughs> he takes them back in time and teaches them, and they meet all these characters from history. Cool. And, and so that's Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. Okay. And I think it's a musical, but I'm not quite sure. Okay. That's the type of outrageous comedy that is was wildly popular, mm. uh, wildly successful. Mm. I, I haven't seen it, but they're making a sequel and it's released okay. this year, I think. And that's the perfect opportunity to have some of the slapstick comedy songs in it. Yes, yes that would work, yeah. The reason I haven't seen it is because I don't go to see movies where people are deliberately being dumb. (laughs) (laughs) But maybe maybe I was wrong about that movie. Well, well, check it out. The other aspect of this movie that would not be made today is the fact that the musical numbers have almost nothing to do with the plot. There is a very special section in La La Land where the characters dance and they're silhouetted and they're in... The galaxy stars. They're, they're, that's right. Yep, that yeah. scene. And it has almost nothing to do with the story. It has almost no impact. It's just a lovely romantic song. It's just a lovely romantic song, lovely romantic dance, and it's a perfect expression of their love, but it's not abs- not related to the story. And I think, and that scene was beloved. By many who oh, saw that okay. movie, cool. even though it was a diversion from the plot. Now, the difference between La La Land and, and this is that it only happened once in La La Land, where in mm. Singing in the Rain it happens over and over. Mm. Yeah. So if a, if a movie like Singing in the Rain, which did those kinds of things, was made today, would it be popular? Or have audiences moved on from that or onto something different? Yeah. I feel like many people would say, oh, if we wanted to... Mm. see tap dancing, you know, five times in one show, we would have just gone to a show. We wouldn't Mm. have gotten out, wouldn't have gone to the cinema. Mm. But in saying that, there are fewer and fewer shows put on um, and and fewer and fewer shows have amazing tap dancing and the style of Singing in the Rain. Mm. And in the traditional Broadway-esque 42nd Street style, right? So, okay, here's a question for you. What did you think about the modern number starring Sid Charisse? Gotta dance. Oh, gotta dance. Oh, Sid Charisse is the the amazing dancer in that. Yeah, um, I was going to comment on that because it is a callback to the uh, ballet in the middle of the movie, like in the climax of the movie that we were talking about earlier. So in the story of Singing in the Rain, that number is inconsequential because it is uh, Don explaining his vision to the producer. It's not even them filming it. 
Yeah. And they would <laughs> never have filmed it if because in the story they have six weeks. Yeah. To, to film this thing. Yeah. And so it's ridiculous <laughs> that they would have... They could not ever yeah. do it that way. So of all the songs in the movie, this is the least likely to... You know, it's got the least connection with the actual story. But it is iconic. Yeah. And um, the scenes in there that I actually... The, uh, one, the, the one scene that in within that dance scene was kind of a fantasy idea (laughs) Um, when uh, they were dancing on this massive soundstage. Absolutely. And this immense fan was blowing this incredibly strong wind and the the person, the, the woman's, you know, Dress she was like a train. She had like a, a train veil. Was veil. A huge veil. Yeah. Was was meters long. <laughs> meters long. They were running. Yeah. And even though you know it was a flat screen that we're watching it on, yeah. they were running long distances. Yeah. It's, it's big just soundstage. Big massive only, soundstage. You could only tell where the soundstage stopped and the, and the background began because there was shadows on the screen from the veil. Uh. <laughs> shadows on the wall. Yeah. So um, my point about raising that is because that kind of dream sequence mm. or, you know, so step out of the story into this other fictional thing, which, of course, I've said that musical movies can do, has been repeated in several movies in the yeah. 1950s. Oh. Including Oklahoma. Yeah. Um, Oklahoma was earlier than 50s. Okay. And other, um, dream se- and other Gene Kelly movies as well. Yeah. Um, I think that that's a technique that modern filmmakers can utilise. Um, the dream sequence into a musical sequence into a dance sequence mm-hmm. that is totally acceptable for the audience. Mm-hmm. Some will find it really, you know, it, it is an intentional diversion from the plot. Mm-hmm. Like we were saying with La La Land, mm-hmm. uh, if it's entertaining enough, then audiences will accept it as a diversion from the story intentionally. However, I don't think that they would be happy with every scene that happens to have a song in it for that song to be so long that it's actually, it takes away from the Mm -hmm. scene. Mm -hmm. There's a point in Make Him Laugh Mm -hmm. where the song stops being about trying to cheer up Don Don and starts just being this, this... yeah. Comic number. Yeah. We, the audience, become the character that Donald Connor is acting to try to yeah. cheer us up, you yeah. know? He does so well. <laughs> he does so well. So I'm hearing that you're, you don't think that technique would work today. I think that audiences are a little less forgiving. They want less gratuitous song and dance. Right. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Give us gratuitous sex and violence instead. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Um, what I didn't say about the dream sequence was that that little fantasy realm bit that we raved on about for ages was actually a dream sequence within a dream sequence. It was, yeah. <laughs> which was amazing. Oh, Inception. But that dream sequence is reminiscent of that ballet sequence in the middle of the musical yeah. that Oklahoma employed and, and many movies have employed that yeah. and that, uh, we said before, came from opera. They would have a ballet yes, in the middle of it. Yes. Or even reminiscent of the uh, Follies and other vaudeville 
things where they would have lots of singing numbers, no real no real story, but then they would have a dance number in there as well. And it's like that. And they had one of those within the dance sequence as well, which was appropriate because that dance sequence was about this Broadway mm. performer. Yeah. It was just wow. so many layers so, yeah, really of trying to make this number relevant. <laughs> it's a little bit comical when we pull it apart, mm. but in the movie it works because you don't care as yeah. much about the story yeah. as yeah. about the dancing. Yeah. Which again is more, you know, um, here's our vehicle, here's our entertainment genre. Mm. It's, a, it's a collection of, mm. of songs and dances with a, an interesting story. You know what that reminds me of? Cats. Cats! Yeah. <laughs> the other, I'm mean, talking about dream sequences. The end of La La Land has a mini dream sequence. Oh, yeah, no, that's wonderful. Um, which is sort of this alternate what if reality mm. when she sees him at the piano at, at the very last scene. Yeah. We have this sort of f- not flashback, but this alternative what if mm. thing. And then sh- she comes back to the reality and they smile and wave at each other and move on. Mm. You know, so yeah, so dream sequences are still used. But, of course, the end of La La Land was hugely disappointing to most yeah. moviegoers. So well, probably go not most, it. actually. Well, to, a lot of, to, me, to me it was, but I know a lot of people who, who did, didn't, okay. not, didn't dislike the ending as right. much as I did, as much as we did. Yeah, but, but no, I have heard some chatter on the internet about the fact that it was a slightly disappointing ending, and a lot of people thought, that's the real ending. You know, I'm just going to believe that that's the ending, you know? <laughs> sure. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, um, as you know, about this stage of the um, podcast, I always say, this is a great movie, go and see it. Um, this is a great movie, go and see it. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, it's yes, it's simplistic. Yes, we've pulled it apart. Yes, it's sweet and, and all that. And if you want just one of the really popular first feel-good movies, this is, this is one to watch. Yeah. yeah. Uh, if you want to understand musical movies, the movie musical of the 1940s and 50s, then this is the one to watch, really, because it's both a history lesson Mm. and a musical in its own right. It's fascinating that I don't even think that this movie would work as a brilliant musical on stage. Yeah, I've been thinking that the whole podcast. (laughs) What would this be like on stage? Gosh, we'd have to get rid of that and we'd have to add something in here. Mm. Yeah, so... I don't. You, you said it has been a, a musical on stage. It has. Okay, I'll be interested to see what the differences are. Yeah, uh, me too. And I don't think if as is, I don't think it's that successful. Mm. You'd, you'd have to make it a lot more. Uh, I think a lot longer. You'd have to add mm. stuff to it. You'd probably want to add some story to it mm. because a lot of those dance numbers involve props so much mm. and involve camera work so much as well. Some mm. of this iconic sequence yeah. that we're talking about. Okay. It would just be impossible to do all of that on stage. And I think that's some, one of the wonderful things about movie musicals is that you can yeah. utilise sets and camera work and angles and in su- in special effects in such a way that you just can't do on stage, mm. which makes Singing in the Rain a unique picture because it is only a movie. In its purest form of singing in the, as Singing in the Rain, you, you cannot replicate it on stage. 
Yeah, I think I think you're right with that. I think if you did put the singing in the rain story and the major numbers, musical numbers on stage, it, you'd have to make a lot of changes. The good thing going for it is that you've got these great big chorus numbers. Yeah, you know, you've you've got you know rows of people tapping and you've got. Um, some really fun chorus dancing mm. and, and to a certain extent singing that can go with it. Mm. So there's certainly potential there, I think, in terms of trying to make a successful stage musical out of Singing in the Rain. You've really got to make it even more stylized than the movie. You know, you've got to have a Gene Kelly look and act alike. You've got to have a Debbie Reynolds and a, a Donald O'Connor sort of act and look alikes. And, of course, your your villain has, has got to be hilarious. So Lena. Lena, yeah. yeah. That's entirely possible. You can mm. you can get people that can do that. Yep. And, of course, you've got this nostalgic piece that, oh, it's singing in the yeah, rain, let's yeah. go see it. Yeah. So, yeah, um, it could be done. Mm. Can be done. I only briefly touched on it, and so I'd like to bring it up again, the fact that it's pop songs. Mm. These songs in Singing in the Rain, most of them, not all of them, a lot of them were pop songs in their own right before they came into this movie. Oh, okay. I think. So, like, Rock of Ages mm-hmm. is actually a pretty good modern equivalent. Yeah, in that sense. Yeah. yeah. And it's comedy. And it repurposes these songs for its own context. Yeah. So, yeah, I think, like, like Good Morning, for example, has almost nothing to do with the story again. Yeah. Um, great song. Yeah. Great dance. It's almost like uh, Gene Kelly said, hey, look, this is a great song that we can dance really good to really well to, <laughs> let's find a way of putting it in the musical. <laughs> and they do, and it's successful. Because the movie became iconic, which I don't even know if they they expected it to, mm. be- because it is a, a spoof, you know, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it's so stylized. They thought it was just another movie, you know. Mm. For it to become so iconic, it, it basically immortalised those songs. Mm. Yeah. Um, Moses of Roses and, <laughs> and, and so on. No, I think that Good Morning m- might have been one of the original songs. I can imagine them sitting down and saying, oh, look at this scene. We've got to have this scene. Today's my lucky day, you know, mm. the 23rd. Yeah. Um, oh, no, your lucky day's the 24th because it's it's one thirty already. Which is the least believable line in the whole movie. <laughs> right. So I don't know if that's a joke that they came up with and then wrote a song around the concept of that, saying just, oh, joking around the fact that, oh, it's, it's in the morning, or whether it's an actual song that they worked into the musical using that. So, yeah, so I think the Good Morning song was um, already existing, unlike the Fit as a Fiddle song, oh, which I think is written for the show because when you take the song just by itself, there's nothing to it. Fit as a fiddle and ready to go, la da da. There's no story in the song. A lot of the songs of those times had stories. Tom oh, Dooley, oh, all sorts of fun things. Yes. Yeah, so. Same as Moses Supposes. Yeah. I think that that was written for the movie. Yeah. And again, it's a simple song. Yeah. And again, it's more of a dance song than anything. There's there's very few lyrics. Yeah. Where I, I'm pretty sure I've actually heard Good Morning on the radio. Oh, yeah. In my day. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, thank you for, for all of that, Dad. And I'm really pleased to have witnessed this as like the capstone of movie musicals of the 40s and 50s. Mm. I just got to say, one of the things I really enjoyed about this movie was watching you and hearing you watch it. (laughs) (laughs) Because you'd forgotten it, you hadn't seen it for a long time. Um, I've seen it quite a few times and and love it and remember it really fondly. And to to see you, you know, reacting to some of the, you know, surprises in the movie was just great. So, so, yes, if you've seen it before and think, oh, yeah, yeah, I remember that, yeah, go watch it again anyway. (laughs)
Yes, it's a it's a barrel of laughs and it, it's great. So I'd love to see a modern movie like it. And we'll see. Maybe we'll get there. Maybe soon. Maybe. Well, that's good night from me. And it's good night from him. Good night. Good night.